bubble boy. He lives in a I'm going to play this forever. When you know, That's our new theme music for all of our shows. <laughs> Welcome back to the Bullshit Phil, the War on Drugs, episode 330. Uh-huh. My name is Cameron Riley, and with me is the Bubble Boy. <laughs> a Bubble Boy? A, a bubble, bubble Boy. boy. He lives in a bu- 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 bubble. bubble. Thank you. Thank you to whoever made that track. <laughs> I'm going to fucking look them up. Give him a kiss. Th- Thank them for that. Clava. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, you know, it was traumatic uh, for me. Go ahead. It's We're in the late 80s. Uh, things are getting worse under Reagan. Uh, social services are being cut still. And the hardest hit of those cuts, uh, the people in the urban ghettos uh, turn to drugs and they've got Lovely cheap drug now that'll give them a little bit of relief, crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. Money, uh, f- the money from social services that Reagan took out of social services, he put into law enforcement and in particular drug enforcement oh. and put lots of young black men uh, who were probably not going to vote Republican anyway right. into jail. So win-win. So they could never vote again in lots of cases right. because of the uh, disenfranchisement mm-hmm. laws that we spoke about in earlier episodes. So great strategy for the Republicans. Yeah. Uh, throw lots of people in jail and stop them from voting. Yeah. By the way, we are going to have a guest <clears throat> on our next episode. We're going to have a history professor who's written books on this very subject uh, come onto the show as a guest, nice. Dr. Michael Landis. Okay. Um, he's going to be a guest on the show. Thank you to thank you to the person, our listener in Sydney, who sent me Dr. Michael Landis's article and thought, oh, he said, I thought you might be interested in this. Uh, hold on, bear with me. His name was, <laughs> is... Is, 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 um, is, no, nah, don't know. <laughs> Some guy. Thank you anyway. <laughs> yeah. Thank you to the person. You know yeah, who you you're are. You're special. Uh, yeah. Um, I would give you a plug, but I can't quickly find your name no. in my. It can't be bothered. Oh, here we go. Yeah. I want to, I want to thank Will Waldron. Oh, okay. Uh, one of our listeners Willie. in, in Sydney, I think maybe. Uh, no, Brisbane. Lives in Brisbane. Uh, Local boy. Okay. Cheers, Will. Let's. We should, we should get together for a beer, Will. Yeah. Um, if you listen or to cocaine. this, so yeah, Dr. Michael Landis will be coming on. Right. Yeah, we'll get together for some crap. <laughs> um, and then George H. W. Bush, uh, Nixon, uh, not Nixon, Reagan's vice president, yeah. uh, former director of the CIA, George H. W. Bush, right. Uh, ran uh, on a crime and drug campaign in 1988, ran the famous Willie Horton campaign. Yeah. uh, Which I I read up about. I didn't know about that. I read up about that, and uh, I've seen it referenced recently in your own midterms. But um, were you familiar with the Willie Horton campaign? Do you remember that? I vaguely remember it, and it was very embarrassing for uh, Dukakis. I remembered that much. Mm. He was made to look weak. Anyway. Yeah. I wanted to ask, yeah. what about George Bush's kindler, gentler nation sh- thing, promise, shtick, whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drug drug users um, don't come under that. <laughs> um, I he, stand corrected. 
Um, Bush, uh, like Nixon, downplayed the idea that social pressure, social pressures such as poverty or racism played any role in creating crime and said that it's all the fault of bad people making bad choices. Right. Certainly has nothing to do with drug use, and he should know because his son, George W. Bush, got busted on a cocaine charge uh, while at university. Well, that's the time to do it. uh, Fortunately for him, had a powerful father who managed to get it expunged from his... Record. Uh, but yeah. On one hand, yeah. his son's doing coke. On the other hand, George H.W. Bush is throwing other people who do coke uh, and sell <laughs> coke into jail. Yeah. Um, it's it's good to have powerful friends or, or fathers in this case. I'm just, I haven't got this in my notes, but I'm just going to pull it up. Um, George Bush cocaine. Oh, here we okay. go. Fact check. Was George W. Bush arrested for cocaine possession? It's according to Snopes. Um, uh, la, 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 la. Oh, okay. He wasn't arrested. Mm-hmm. Now, the story about George W. Bush using cocaine in, in uh, the early 70s, um, mm-hmm. never, I don't think it's ever been proven because of, you know, powerful... The, right. the author, Texas author J.H. Hatfield, wrote a book called Fortunate Son, George W. Bush and the Making <laughs> of an American President. I like that. Where he says that he found evidence of it. Um, not long after that book was published, just before Bush became president, George W. Bush became president, Hatfield was found dead in his car. Um Wow! Suicided. Um, shot himself sure. twice in the back of the head before he set sure. his before he set his car on fire. Something like that. Sure. Um, according to Rolling Stone magazine, allegations of youthful cocaine use dogged Bush throughout his political career. He always stopped short of definitively denying his use, preferring dodges like, "When I was young and irresponsible, I was young and irresponsible." <laughs> Genius. Clever, clever. I'm yeah. gonna, gonna remember that to one. The point. I'm sure, I'll, I'll yeah. need that at some point. Yeah. Um, anyway, to your son? so his dad yeah. ran for president, and at the at this point, the United States has been fighting the war on drugs hardcore for twenty years since Nixon. Um, right. Spent billions of dollars, millions of people imprisoned. The loss of civil liberties for drug users and non-users. Oh, right. Drugs are cheaper, they're more potent, and they're used by younger children than when Nixon started the war. So that's where they've got to after yeah. 20 years. <laughs> well, but on the, the upside... drug cartels are wealthier and more powerful and more sophisticated. Yeah. Sorry, yes, the upside? That was the upside? No, that, w- that was the upside. I'm that's sorry, the, yeah. The upsides for the drug cartels. Right, right. No, but that's that's literally the result of spending billions of dollars and losing civil liberties and all the other things you said. I mean, that's just insane, but no one can see it or has the political courage to take a step back and, and look at this. No, but, I, 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 you know, I get back to my core argument. This is the thing mm-hmm. to remember. I've said this in recent episodes. This is just like the war on anything. It's right. about money. 
billions of dollars spent, taxpayer money spent, where's it's being spent, who's getting that money, qui bono, right, right? Cicero. Right. Who is benefiting from the war on drugs? Yes, the drug cartels, but also the the people that are getting that money spent on them, whether it's uh, police forces, uh, military jails. at this stage. Right. Uh, yes, the jails. Uh, the people building urine testing equipment. Right. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget the urine. There is, and and just the the federal bureaucracy that's set up the the agencies, the DEA, and all of these sorts of things. There's got to be money flowing back into the system. It it, it has to be economic. It's the only way of justifying this. Well, it's one way. Of course, the other way is, as we've talked about, the racist element of it. Right. Um, but it's harder to explain when you look at guys like Biden and, and Clinton, who comes along yeah. uh, next in the 90s and cracks down even harder, puts Three even more young out. black people yeah. in jail for drugs. Right. Three strikes and you're out. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, because in theory, a lot of the people that – Clinton and Biden are putting in prison with their legislation would vote Democrat. Yeah, it's insane. In theory, blacks right. and Latinos are supposed, supposedly going to vote. Um, so I don't know how that, I don't know where the logic of that breaks down. I think it's also partly, you know, we saw this in the Cold War series um, after World War II, in order to stand any chance of getting elected, you had to be tough on communism. Right. If you didn't look like you were tough on communism, your opponent would use that as a weakness. Oh, he's not tough on communism, so don't vote for him. I think right. the same thing happens after Nixon with war on drugs. If you are if you don't publicly say you're tough on drugs, then your opponents are going to use it against you. Right. right. And they're going to win. The only yeah, reason Carter... The only, the only reason Carter got away with it is because of Watergate. Right, Watergate, you know, sort of broke the Republicans for a while, um, uh, but uh, after after Carter, you can't get away with it. You have to be tough on drugs if you want to get elected, basically. Right. Yeah. Until recent times, when it started to change, and we're going to explore that too. Why that happened? So, so like you were saying, uh, back in Nixon's time. First, it was heroin was the big thing. And I think we discussed this previously. We were talking about uh, cocaine is not physically addictive, but it's reinforcing. You want to be able to, to recapture that high. But I think heroin is, is one of the ones that's actually physically addictive. So Nixon thought he was doing something, you know, doing something right. So he goes after heroin. Then Carter comes along and halfway through his administration, you've got marijuana. But then that fades for whatever reason. And then cocaine takes over. Cocaine's now center stage. And now, like you said on the last episode, it's now crack because it's dangerous, it's cheap, it's getting into the country all over the place. And so they're just, it's the same story over and over and over again. They're just switching the title of the book or the magazine article or whatever. It's just the same rote formula regurgitated through through the years. Because it's a bit like sex and marriage, um, getting back mm -hmm. to another one of our common themes. You know, you got to spice it up. People get bored. <laughs> If you're just talking about marijuana for too long, people get bored. Oh, we've heard about right. that. They go, oh, yeah. wait, no, we're going to spice it up. We're going to put on a, a maid's outfit. Now it's crack. That's the one you've got to be scared about. And they just recycle all their old stories and change the labels. Right. Um, 
Reminds me, we like we talked about that guy way back early in the se- in the series who was what like one of the key um, uh, advocates during prohibition of booze, and then when he wrote books and talked about how booze was the greatest evil, then when booze was made legal again, he just went, "Oh no, it's uh, <laughs> it was opium." Right. Oh, now opium the is the big bad guy we're going to go after. Yeah, that's the devil. I know I said last year the booze yeah. was the devil, but no, 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 no. Now yeah. it's marijuana and opium. That's the I've devil. I've zeroed in on it. It's definitely, yeah. But getting back to my point earlier, after 20 years of spending billions of dollars on this, uh, the number of people using cocaine has grown. Drug violence is bigger than ever, and now it's made its way into the poor neighbourhoods with the oh, corner boys and the wire and right. all that's going on. Uh, <laughs> right. People who are involved in the drug gangs are dying daily. Violence is going up. Innocent bystanders are getting killed. Jeez. The numbers of innocent bystanders are being killed and tripled in the last two years of Reagan's uh, administration as Damn. the drug war escalated. The more the government cracks down, the more the violence escalates. Yeah, I guess when you're using Uzis than, on the street corner, yeah, the bullets are going to fly over the place. Sorry, sorry. Exactly. And, of course, what the Bush administration did is they sat back, took a scientific look at how effective <laughs> or ineffective their policies, uh, predecessors' policies had been for 20 years. Right. And said, you know what? <clears throat> this isn't working. I think we need a better approach. Excellent. Wow me. What was their approach? Yeah. What was their fresh, sorry, brand no, that- new that happened in the parallel universe. In this universe, they went, oh, we're just, we're going to do more of what we have. Harder. Harder. The definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing but expecting different results. And uh, if there's anything we know about the Bush family, they're insane. (laughs) So uh, they kept going. Now, uh, (laughs) yeah. One new development, though, uh, in Bush's years was um, his administration determined that the war on drugs would no longer be mentioned as a health problem. Huh. Okay. It's not about health anymore or the dangers to your health of using drugs. So drugs are no longer dangerous? Mm, No, they don't want to say that. They just don't want to talk about it in relationship to being uh, a health problem. Okay. All right. Now, this is this is strange because obviously up until this point, the physical danger of using drugs has mm. always been the entire point of the war on drugs. They're bad yeah. for you, even though the dangers had always been highly overrated. Right. Uh, it was still the main point of the war on drugs. But they decide we can't get away with that anymore. So now it's just going to come down to morality. Using drugs is just wrong. It's not about health. It's about right and wrong, and using drugs is wrong. Why is it wrong? Because we said it's wrong. (laughs) Yeah, There might have been other issues here, Ray. What what other deep insights do you have (laughs) unless your dog deleted your notes? (laughs) No, I just wanted to repeat uh, the drugs are Bennett. Like you said, the simple fact that drug use is wrong and the moral argument in the end is the most compelling argument. So forget, don't think, no longer think, don't analyze, it's wrong, end of discussion. It's it's even more blunt than Nancy Reagan's just say no, this is all wrong, because we say it is. In fact, his, his, I think it was his uh, chief counsel, Terrence Pell, who said, uh, we have to believe if you think drugs are bad, 
that they make people bad neighbors, horrible parents, dangerous drivers. Then you think drugs are bad. There's a moral dimension. So they're literally trying to get people to turn on each other just through the, through the prism of drugs. Yeah, this was the uh, this is the Bush administration. They moved on from uh, just say no. They moved to this slogan. Now, as I was saying, uh, drugs are bad. You shouldn't do drugs. If you do them, you're bad because drugs are bad. Okay, it's a bad thing to do drugs, so don't be bad by doing drugs. Okay, that'd be bad. Drugs are bad. Okay. But that was it. Drugs are bad. Okay. Drugs I, are bad. I just realized I didn't answer your question, but but to move away from the drug aspect, I wow. apologize. Right? Everyone, hey, no, every, everyone else didn't miss that, Ray. No, I everyone just, I else. Just, when you start talking, you go, oh well, it's time for a, a you know a toilet break because Ray's just going to repeat what Cameron said and use some light, slightly different words. I was giving quotes just to show, but anyway, I'm going to stick with that. Uh, no, but but it's, this is brilliant on their part, if you think about it. If we move away from the health aspect, which is what this has all been about so far, you know, addicts are sick. Maybe they're going to get a certain amount of sympathy. Well, guess what? With this new morality clause, they don't deserve that sympathy. Taking drugs is voluntary, unless your life is fucked up through government policies that tries to make your life a piece of shit. But the point is they can they can get rid of that sympathy. And these people aren't, Bennett's, excuse me, the, the drug department is not stupid when they're doing this. Again, if you move away from the health aspect, you can ignore the people who are occasionally doing drugs and they're not sick. Their lives, lives are not ruined. They're married. They're holding down jobs. They have, they have kids. Everything is fine. So you can remove all of that. You can ignore it. And if your position that heavy drug users are sick, then the government's expected to help them. You can get away from that too. So this, in a sense, is even though their argument is stupid, it's brilliant because they remove themselves from all the little tricky, sticky points of the war on drugs. And you can also distance yourself from some of the arguments that say, well, okay, let's look at the year that Bush became president. In that year alone, tobacco killed nearly 400,000 Americans. Oh, God. Which is more than died in both world wars. Yep. Alcohol killed another 23,000 and another 22,000 died on the highways Cocaine, on the other hand, take a guess how many people it killed in that year. Um, less than 400,000. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> less than 4,000 even. Uh, killed 3,500 people that year. Heroin uh-huh. and all the other opiates killed 2,500 people that year. Right. And marijuana killed a big total of no people because no one's ever died from marijuana. <laughs> So, I feel like you've said that you know, before. When, if you're talking about yeah, if you're talking <laughs> about the health aspects of it, then people can go, well, hold on. What about these other things? They're worse for you. Why aren't you banning those? So they don't want to have those discussions. Right. That's a very inconvenient conversation to have. So, and by the way, booze is implicated in violent crime to a much greater degree than any legal drug. Right. Right. Um, Justice Department found that. Half of the people convicted of homicide in 1989 were using alcohol at the time of the murder, mm-hmm. while less than 6% of the 
said they were <sighs> on drugs alone. Right. Right. Jeez. Yeah. But no one's gonna no one's gonna come down, crack down yeah. on booze. Now the Bush administration's um, logic behind this is brilliant, as you said. <laughs> Um, it, is. it went like this. Well, drugs are immoral because they're illegal. Why are they illegal? Well, because they're immoral. Boom. Perfect. Wrapped it Boom. up. Boom. Yeah. That's got a, it. Got a bow no. on it. Done. Yeah. Done. Done. <laughs> oh, I, I want to give one more quote. That reminds, and, no, hold on. Uh, that ahead. reminds me of that, that fucking guy, um, C.S. Lewis. Right. C.S. Lewis reminds me of his book. You know, the witch in the wardrobe right. guy, the line, the witch yeah. in the wardrobe, wrote a book on Christianity. Screw tape. Um, oh, sorry. He wrote a lot of books. Sorry. Wrote a book on Christianity that uh, Christians love. It's like the worst. Right. It's called Mere, Mere Christianity. I read it once because, you know, I love yeah. a bit of Christianity and I read it. It's fucking dumbest thing ever. Um, basically, his argument in this book is, well, God must exist because God is good and goodness exists. Therefore, God must exist. Um, there could be no goodness without God because God is good. Really? Like, really? That's it? He was- uh, okay, it's all these people <laughs> who told all my Christian friends, okay, oh, you got to read this book because this guy was an atheist and then he converted to become a Christian. It's fucking right. great. Hey, all right, fair enough. I'd like to hear his arguments. I'm like, really? That's it? That's the dumbest fucking thing I've heard in a long time. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he was probably high when he wrote that sentence. <laughs> on crack. I could, I, on crack. Uh, yeah. I could yeah. be wrong. Mm. I just Sorry, wanted to give... Keep, please continue. I just wanted to give one more um, William Bennett, the drugs are quote, and there's probably a clip that you have that goes along with this, but whatever. He breaks it down. This guy's no nonsense. He says... The drug crisis is a crisis of authority in every sense of the term authority. So basically, we have decided this is wrong. You will listen to us. We know better. We are in charge. Do not deviate. Do not think. You will comply. It is about authority. I mean, that's just fucked up Nazi state. And you will respect my authority. (laughs) That's the clip you wanted? Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. So again, these just they were just I guess um what do you call it um a parent state or whatever it's called um there's a there's a nanny certain term. state. Nanny state. There nanny we go. Thank state. you. Yeah. Just fucking do what we say because we are the ones saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Now there was a guy who worked at the justice department at the time his name was Paul McNulty. He said, "It's you against the world, is it?" Uh, He said, now that the government has spoken to the subject that drugs are unlawful, a person who disobeys the law has made a moral choice and should be dealt with appropriately. So that's all you need to know. We say it's bad, therefore it's bad. Uh, If we say something's bad, it is bad. If the government says it's good, it is good. Remember when we said slavery was good? (laughs) Well, it was good. The people who said it was bad were immoral. Right. Um, that's that's, that's pretty how fucking scary. It works. Yeah. 
Because America is the land of freedom, Ray. Don't know if you've uh, uh, ever heard that before, but it's the land of freedom. I think you're getting the word freedom mixed up with another word. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Did you want to talk about Bush's first presidential, uh, excuse me, his first televised speech? Uh, Nope, but you can. Okay. Should I do it now or I didn't mean to cut you off? Do it whenever the fuck you want, my bubble boyfriend. Oh, you're so sweet. Who am I? (laughs) Who am I to tell a bubble boy what he can and can't do? Damn it, god damn it, it's bubble man. The fuck is wrong with you? I'm a fifty-two years old. A bubble? A bubble? Yes, a bubble. Can you imagine that? We have sacrificed everything, all for the sake of our little bubble boy. (laughs) Go, please go ahead, bubble boy. Okay. Bubble man. So, so no, I just thought this was really funny. I'll keep it short and sweet because I know there's other things you want to cover. So when Bush becomes president, the first six months of his presidency, he is not sure what exactly he wants to make his number one priority. Why? Because he can't really tell what the people want to be the number one priority. And, and, and it's hard for him because he's not a great talker. He's, he's following in the footsteps of Reagan, the great communicator. So he's stalling with the press until he can come up with something. But he finally comes up with something. He's looking through all these polls, so he'll know what to think. And pretty much one of the polls says that 83% of the people felt that drugs are the, are the number one problem for family. So he's like, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm going to make it drugs. And I'm going to give a speech on September the 5th. So he gives it over to his speechwriter, Mark Davis. And Mark Davis is like, well, you're not giving me very much. I'm going to, I don't exactly know what to write about. I mean, what is the government doing, doing about this? Why is it so important? You know, what, what the fuck's going on? How am I supposed to take Bennett's morality front and, and work that into a speech? What the fuck am I supposed to write about? So he talks to the deputy director of White House Communications, and they say, well, you know, there's a lot of talk about crack. What does it look like? I'm curious. I would like to see what crack looks like. We should work that into the speech. So, okay, so that's what they're going to do. So there's a whole bunch of uh, different people involved that we don't have to get to, but basically the speechwriter says, can you get President Bush a bag of crack cocaine so he can show it on TV when he gives a speech? So to make a long story short, even though the White House said, do not go out and arrest someone specifically just to get crack cocaine for the president's speech. I'm sure you've got a whole bunch of it in in evidence or lockdown or whatever. Just bring us some of that. So what does the DEA do? They go out and they specifically arrest someone to get cocaine. But here's the worst part. They want to arrest someone r- very close to the White House so, th- so President Bush can add that in his speech. So the undercover agent gets an 18-year-old named Keith Jackson to sell him crack right across in a park right across from the White House. So they get that and... and uh, Bush gets up there and he gives this speech and he holds up this little tiny plastic bag and it says, this is crack cocaine seized a few days ago by drug enforcement agents in a park just across the street from the White House. We won't have safe neighborhoods unless we're tough on drug criminals, much tougher than we are now. And he goes on to talk about the death penalty for drug kingpins, the appropriate use of armed forces, of the armed forces for to stop drug smugglers. And he ends with, all of us agree that the gravest domestic threat facing our nation is drugs. So... All of that gets going on, but they but they show this kid they show they and this kid, this eighteen year old, 
someone figures out the story. Someone fig- some reporter figures this out, and so it's pretty soon it's all over all, on the news. And um, he gets charged, I think, with four different counts. But the jury can't decide what to do because when they hear the details, they're like, like DeLorean, that's fucking entrapment. You pretty much led him there and, and you contacted him and you actually had someone drive him to the park to buy the drugs. And so the kid's able to get off of the, uh, the, uh, the charges. But again, all this comes out, I think it was the Washington post. And so tr- um, Trump, ha uh, Bush's first big TV um, speech about drugs Absolutely falls flat in his face because of what happened, because because this kid was charged and released. But again, it's not going to stop him from pursuing this because he's pretty much carrying on from where Reagan and Nancy left off. This is the number one cultural aspect and the war on drugs will continue and it will be ramped up. I've actually got a clip of his speech here. Can I play? Yeah, it? I figure. Yeah, please. And now from the White House, the president of the United States. <laughs> All right, good evening, good evening. You know, it's been a while since I talked to you. Let me tell you, it's been a good summer up there in the Bush family compound up there in Kennebunkport Bay, that, that whole area up there. Up in that speedboat going round and round doing loop-de-loops. <laughs> Did some fishing. <laughs> Didn't catch any. Not the point. (laughs) No, no, sir. Got out there on that water, got in that relaxation mode, recharged the batteries. (laughs) You know, I feel good. Voice, voice low. Voice low, getting lower. Doctors tell me it can go lower even still. The whining, screeching thing of the past. Hurricane Hugo doing that damage down there, going round and round, doing that hurricane thing down there. A lot of damage. Natural disaster, not my fault. (laughs) Spending relief, sending it down there, not too much, not too quickly. Wouldn't be prudent at this juncture. (laughs) And the drug problem. Bigger than ever. <laughs> this, is, this is cocaine crack. I'll tell you something, this crack was bought right here in the White House. <laughs> three feet from this desk. <laughs> Drug problem worse than we ever thought. Marijuana being grown in the Rose Garden. Millie, the bush dog, bringing in crack pipe from the South Lawn. It's bad, bad. Had to close down an ecstasy factory in the Lincoln bedroom. We're going to whip it with a three-pronged attack. First prong, education. Tell our kids that it's bad. Second prong, interdiction. Self-explanatory. Third prong. Third prong, a secret. Secret prong. Not going to reveal it now. Wouldn't be prudent at this juncture. Now allow me to... Allow me to say a personal word to the Medellin cartel. You know, this week you 
threatened to kidnap members of my family. Well, let me see you try. My kids, Jeb, packing heat. <laughs> my son, Neil, knows 30 ways to kill a man, and all of them work. <laughs> Jeb can make an incision under the chin with his bare hand, pull the face up over the skull. Skull laid bare. He can thrust his hand through a man's chest cavity, pull out the heart while it's still beating, show it to the victim, still enough blood in the victim's brain to see it, show it to him before the body collapses to the floor. Seen it, seen it many times. Dora, my only daughter, just graduated from a an evasive driving course. That leaves us with Barr, my wife. Barr lived a full life, ready to die. Has cyanide capsule on that necklace of hers. Will bite down when and if the time comes. So to sum up, Hurricane Hugo, not my fault. This summer, good, boy slow. Dan Quayle still gaining acceptance. <laughs> Drugs bad. <laughs> Why doesn't George W. Bush get a mention when he's talking about all of his family members? That's how unimportant George was. Didn't even get a <laughs> yeah. mention. Oh, who's Neil? Is there a Neil Bush? I I fucking don't even know. Yeah, could be the driver for all I know. Black driver. The fourth of the fourth of six children. Of Good God. Uh, George H. W. and Barbara, uh, wow. didn't, get, didn't even didn't even get a mention in didn't. that. I mean, sorry, George didn't get a mention. So right, because um, he's yeah, yeah, didn't want to bring that up, especially mentioning drugs. Yeah. So anyway, uh, fuck yes, good story um, about all of that. Um, <laughs> George H. W. Yeah. in his speech. Yeah. Um, I want to. I want to just move on uh, and talk about one of my favourite subjects, Ray. Um, it's always it's something that I think about a lot, and that is crack babies. Ray, there's nothing I like more no. than a crack baby story. Okay. Now uh, the media. Oh, the media fucking loves crack baby stories for a while there. In the late 1980s, their favourite story to write about was crack babies. Um, could not get enough crack baby stories. Okay. Crack baby, crack baby, crack baby. It was all <laughs> over the media in the late 80s. Um, right. Crack baby, of course, for the kids too young to remember, is when a mother is a right. crack addict. She's pregnant. She has a baby. That baby is a crack baby. Right. And I don't know. I mean, there's only, like, when the, you know, when you're looking at the rungs of people who probably aren't going to live a good life. Right. Right down the bottom. <laughs> People right. that are like, there's no hope for them. When they come out, there's no hope for them. Right down the bottom mm-hmm. is Bubble Boys. Just above that <laughs> is Crack Babies. Right. Crack wow. Babies. Okay. They were like, well, look, it's a Crack Baby, but at least we don't have to put it in a bubble. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Crack Babies. Oh, so I could have died. Next, next right. to last, right. next to last kind of baby <laughs> on the rung of... Right. No, 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 no hope for the future babies. Yeah. Why are you even here? Yeah. Exactly. Now, but by 1989, scientists that had a good four years to study crack babies. Oh. And they were starting to back off from their, uh, like, initially alarming reports. 
Okay. Ira Chasnoff, right. who was a doctor in Chicago, who wrote an article in the New England Journal of Medicine in 1985 that started the whole crack baby <laughs> panic. Thanks. In 1989, he started going, eh, actually, yeah. you know, crack babies aren't are that bad off, honestly, um, right. compared to bubble boys. Uh, crack babies <laughs> got a whole healthy, wonderful future ahead of them. Oh, I'll um, have to go back to therapy. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, you ever came out? Oh, no, no. I had post-bubble therapy back into, there. I said go back into your Go back into your bubble with your therapist. Right. And don't think I won't. Don't come back out. And I'm going to take, take the microphone. Remote. Right. Take the take the remote and the microphone <laughs> into the bubble. Um, <laughs> the um, the anyway, the is it, Chasnov said that pregnant women are more are sixteen times more likely to use alcohol than crack, and unlike cocaine, oh, alcohol shit. actually has proven fetus right. damaging effects. Yeah. Was your mother a, not a, drink. a crack user, Ray? Or was your mother? <laughs> like, is that why you're in a bubble? We couldn't was afford she crack, crack. She was probably addict. just drinking, drinking. They were crack poor. Would have been cheaper, probably. What do you call it when They're you making make moonshine? Moonshine. Moonshine. Uh, I'm a I'm a, a moonshine, moonshine bubble yeah. baby. Yeah. A moonshine bubble boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting worse. I'm sad. <laughs> I'm in a category all by myself. I'm sad. I need some crack cocaine to lift me up. If not for just 10 minutes. We thought, Dr. Shavnov said, we did think bubble boys were on the bottom of the rung, but we've since discovered the latest research is that moonshine bubble babies right down. The worst. We had to dig. We had to dig a level below the bottom to get to the moonshine. But there he was. Bubble boys. <laughs> and we found him. He dug, he, he's down there in his little bubble with a <laughs> with bottle the moonshine of moonshine. Yeah. He's moving up to limoncello, but it's basically. <laughs> it's the same thing. He says it's limoncello, it's just urine. That he pees <laughs> his, into the moonshine urine, bottle in his right. bubble and yeah. drinks it himself. I'm glad he you said, a good uh, time. Dr. Chat. Oh, fucking, I'm having the best time ever, man. Like, seriously. It's like. Oh. <laughs> I'm I don't know who needs drugs when you've got bubble <laughs> you boys got bu- to. <laughs> There's, make your t-shirt. Fun There's your next t shirt. <laughs> who, who needs drugs when you've got a bubble boy? Um, Dr. Chasnov said that poor women had always given birth to small and sickly babies. Right. And there'd been a sharp uptick in the late 80s, thanks to Reagan, Reaganomics, yes. of poor and uninsured women who were giving birth to sickly children, bubble bubble Jeez. children. Right. So he said that the actually the, the, the best predictor of newborn health isn't whether or not the mother is on crack, mm-hmm. but whether or not she has prenatal care ah. and the insurance to pay for prenatal care. Gotcha. Florida health officials in 1985, so a lot earlier than this, just as the crack thing was turn, it was picking up, was cracking. As soon as just before, at the same time, crack was cracking. Right. Florida health officials <laughs> wrote a report where they said, in the in the end, it mm-hmm. is safer for a baby to be born to a drug abusing, anemic, or diabetic mother who mm. visits the doctor throughout her pregnancy right. than to be born to a normal woman. Who does not? Fuck. That's a hell of a statement. Isn't it? 
Oh my god. And these are health officials. I mean, they should know. Jeez. If from Florida. Yeah. Where people eat each other's faces <laughs> after s- smoking fucking bath salts. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> And other researchers found that the effects of cocaine, and I did not know this, and again, I'm sure the government doesn't want this out. Other researchers found that the effects of cocaine wore off after a few months if a baby was well-fed, loved, and properly properly stimulated. They could recover fully, because I always just assumed they were going to be messed up for life, but they can bounce back from this. But if some of those other things, like you know, if the mother abuses alcohol, that's stuff that can affect the, the child for, for their entire life. Yeah, so there you go. Jeez. The moral of the story is if, you're, if any of the ladies listening out here are pregnant and you want to right. party, yeah. do no. coke. <laughs> Even crack. Don't uh, drink. Not booze. Be, right, no that booze. Would be, don't drink. That would be irresponsible. Right. Crack or yeah. booze. Uh, crack or cocaine. Um, yeah. Or so, um, get in a bubble. Yeah. And get, some, get yeah. some different color lights and just have a good time. Take the remote so no one else can take it. And, you know, you just get in there and you just be mean to everybody. But they can't do anything about it because you're in the bubble and you've got the remote. Yeah, so researchers found that crack babies, okay, they're they're not very well when they're born. um, You you put them in a bubble. um, But within a few months, if they are well-fed, loved, properly stimulated, which probably rules out the bubble, um, they recover completely. Yeah. And they go on and they have normal lives. So we've had... We've had 33 years to study this now, and I read some recent reports on this. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, there's a lot of crack babies that have now grown up. They're in their 30s. They're doing well. You know, there's, nice. there's no long-term effects of being a crack baby. Okay. But Good. That didn't stop that didn't stop the media writing tons of crack baby stories. Oh. Um, Charles Krauthammer. Yeah. Who I think these days is mostly on Fox News, but back then was no, writing he, for the Washington he Post. He died a year right? or two ago. He died a year or two ago. Did he? A year ago. I think it was a year. Something like that. Yep. He had was, it from, was it from crack? Uh, no, it was, this, devil, it was this year. This year. The devil June, called him home. This year. Right. Oh, wow. God, it felt like it was a year ago. Doesn't it? You know, fucking time flies when you're yeah. in a bubble. <laughs> um Right. Who, I don't know if you know this, but um, before he became a conservative media pundit, right? he um, was a psychiatrist and he was actually involved in the creation of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the DSM. Wow. Uh, uh, not to be confused with the DMC. Right. Um, with the Slightly different. Car. Yeah. Or run DSM. Yeah, the DSM manual. He, he, he was one of the guys who created that in 1980. Um, joined the Carter administration in 1978 as a director of psychiatric research. Mm-hmm. Ended up becoming a speechwriter to Walter Mondale in 1980. Oh. Um, and Not then became there. a crazy uh, neoconservative, yeah. you know, batshit crazy motherfucker. Right. Um, Do you have his anywho, statement? It, 
You didn't read his I statement. do have his statement, but uh, you can read it if you want. He just said that crack babies in 1988, a biological underclass whose biological inferiority is stamped at birth. What a cunt. Just like a bubble boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, an article he wrote in 88. In 89, he wrote another article where he said, theirs will be a life of certain suffering of probable deviance. Of permanent Fuck. inferiority. Jesus. Now, this Christ. is a guy, this is, this is why I bring up his psychiatric background. He was uh, the director of psychiatric better. research for the Carter administration, created the DSM. He's supposedly a medical professional mm. and a very smart man. Learned. Um, was involved in, uh, you know, a lot of whole bioethics thing. He was. Uh, appointed to George W. Bush Council of Bioethics in 2002, a lot later, obviously. Um, but, uh, yeah, he uh, was part the deep of end. the problem spreading this story of crack babies. Right. Uh, he wasn't alone, though. Boston University President John Silber mm-hmm. uh, criticised spending immense amounts of money on crack babies who won't ever achieve the intellectual development to have consciousness of God. Fuck. Is he dead? I want to go find him and punch him in the face for that. So let's not spend any money on these people who it's none of their fault and they won't even be smart enough to have a consciousness or be able to realize what God is. Who fucking doesn't exist? I'm done He uh, died in 2012. um, But 10 years before that. He saved himself from punching. Right, go ahead. Before that, uh, mm-hmm. in 2002, he ordered that the Boston University Academy, which was a prep school operated right. by Boston University, disband its gay-straight alliance. Of course it did. A student club that staged demonstrations to publicise the negative effects of homophobia. Jeez. He stated that the purpose of the club, to serve as a support group for gay students and to promote tolerance and understanding between gay and straight students... Accused the club of uh, being a vehicle for homosexual recruitment. Mm, doesn't work that way. Denounced the group for homosexual militancy with the purpose of promoting gay sex. <sighs> but Come President, on. Boston University, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> Send your kids there. 2002. Not talking about 1902. Right. Or 19. 19- <laughs> 32, <laughs> no, 2002. What a world. The New York Times declared that crack babies would be unable to make friends, oh. know right from wrong, control their impulses, gain insight, concentrate on tasks, or feel and return love. Um, Even Rolling Stone magazine said that crack babies, like no others, are brain damaged in ways yet unknown, oblivious to any affection. Are are they citing any scientific journals or tests or commissions or committees? Well, obviously not, because... I didn't think you would answer it that way, but but touche, my friend. Oh, you thought I'd be sarcastic about it? Like, I'm, yeah. I, I'm not sarcastic. <laughs> I, I would that, never take the sarcastic route. Well played, my non-bubble friend. 
Oh, you see the world in bubble and non-bubble. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's going to be like that, is it? Bubbles oh, it is. and non-bubbles. It is. Uh, exactly. It's always it's, that, that explains a lot. It's how you see the world. <laughs> oh, where are we? My name's Ray Harris. I'm a bubble boy. Do you have a special handshake? Is there a bubble handshake that you have to to, uh, to, to like? Is it actually you just there inc- is? But you encapsulate their hand with two hands, <laughs> like you just like a you just like it's a encapsulate it in a bubble. But don't yeah. tell anybody that you're not supposed to know that you're an outsider. You're a non-bubbler. Mm. Now, sometimes these uh, newspapers, magazines actually accidentally got some facts right. Oh. Um, the Wall Street Journal, in a front page article in 1989, wrote a lot about horror stories of low income women giving birth to crack babies. And then at some point, they said uh, their mothers aren't all low income. Linda, an impeccably dressed 34-year-old, now looks more like the accountant she once was rather than a recovering addict who had a $2,000 a week crack habit and also points out that her son was born healthy. Right. So, you know, it's not all poor women that are having crack babies and some crack babies were born healthy, according to this. No explanation in uh, the article about why a woman who was a well-dressed accountant, would be smoking $2,000 worth of crack a week and could give birth to a healthy baby. They just didn't didn't mention right. that. She probably had good medical care because she could afford it. Yes, thank you. Did she, did they say, did the article say she was white? Yes, I think so, white. Okay. Well, I think it's assumed she's white because right. she's impeccably dressed. Oh, gotcha. Now, can we know. compare and contrast that to... Know. Can we compare and contrast that to the story of Jennifer Johnson? Uh, you can, yes. I don't right. know Jennifer Johnson. I right. s- must have skipped that. Yep, that's fine because I skipped Linda, so that's fine. So, uh, so, oh, okay. so, so, Jennifer Johnson all works out. Oh, balance. Yeah, out. yeah. Look at balance, that. yin thing. and yang, bubble and non-bubble. So, yeah. Jennifer Johnson is trying to get help with her addiction because she's pregnant and she's about to have her fourth child. But because of the situation, because of the cutbacks with the Reagan years and Bush, there's there's nothing available where she's at. So she um, struggles through the pregnancy. She has the baby. And even though it's, as you know, it's like all the other ones, it's, 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 it's uh, small, it's lighter than average, its head is smaller than average, it looks like the baby's going to be okay. We just got to take care of it now. However... The she was she was in the state of Florida, Florida again, Florida's assistant state's attorney general Jeff Dean was waiting for this moment. He he heard about her, and I don't know if it was the news or whatever, but he heard about her and he bided his time. And what he did was he tried her. He he accused her of delivering cocaine to a minor, and what he did said during his argument was, in between the sixty seconds that the child was born, and when the doctor or whoever cut the umbilical cord, she was giving her baby cocaine. The judge agreed, and she was the first person ever arrested for giving cocaine to her baby. Wow. Yeah. Fucked up. Wow. She was not uh, white. She was mm. not white. Oh, she was not white. Mm. No. Yeah. But I've got some other articles, just to be fair. Here's an mm. article from 1992, Wisconsin State Journal. 
Um, when they spotted the playground looming like a leafy oasis amid the graffiti-scarred tenements of central Harlem, the ten toddlers and preschoolers erupted in excitement. As they entered Morningside Park, the older kids raced to the swings and slides. The younger ones clapped their hands and cheered them on. Within seconds, the children were indistinguishable from the other youngsters in the park, swooping down slides and climbing monkey bars. This wasn't supposed to happen. These children on their daily outing from Hale House were born exposed to crack. In recent years, the term crack babies has become a national buzzword, a riveting soundbite that conjures images of mutant monster children. Mm-hmm. Punchy headlines such as crack babies, genetic inferiors, and crack in the cradle oh. have helped shape the stereotype. Barry and Stan came up with that one. Yes. I read it on their, uh, like on their website. But the children themselves may have the last word. Doctors, social workers and teachers involved with crack-exposed kids indicate that many are rising above the dire predictions made for them. When people find out what I do, they say, Oh, those poor crack babies, said Hale House nurse Anne-Marie Ned. I get so mad, I tell them there's nothing really wrong with these kids. Right. Since crack first swept the country in 1985, children born to crack addicts were thought to be physically and mentally damaged, doomed to a marginal life and an ongoing burden for taxpayers. Um, but as this story goes on to say, yeah, nah, really, yeah. they're just they're little kids. Back. Yeah. It's, it's all Started bullshit. Started out a little rough. All... Right. Hmm. Right. It was all bullshit. Um uh, in a, one study, researchers found that IQ scores of children born exposed to crack were the same as children who were not crack exposed, but who lived in a similar environment. Ah. And so that's what Ira there. said. Yeah, it's all about the environment and what the mother is, has access to, whether it's medical care or not medical care. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. So there were stories even in the early 90s. Uh, there's another one I've got here from newspapers.com. This is from the Atlanta Constitution, 1992, debunking myth about crack kids. Um, posters in maternity clinics conjure up the same image of the prenatally doomed. Some people who smoke crack never get over it. The schools, too, have been put on emergency alert. The crack babies are coming. The crack babies are coming. Um, but she goes on to say that again. She quotes Ira Chasnoff and says, uh, "Yeah, you know, uh, Chasnoff." She quotes saying, "As I study the problem more and more, I think the placenta does a better job of protecting the child than we do as a society." Wow. So there you go. And if you eat the placenta, you get really fucking high. You so get superpower. That's good too. Right. That's that's good eating. Yeah. Um, the myth of the crack baby became a media hit, Dr. Coles believes, because crack is exotic and happening mostly in marginal populations among bad people who are not like us. Right. It is easier to think about crack than alcohol or tobacco. There is more than a touch of racism in the attention. Um, mm. And the Jennifer Johnson story turns up in this article as well. Right. So there you go. Bit about crack babies, uh, more than you ever probably thought you wanted to know about crack babies. Right. Um, Users are bums, declared the Reader's Digest in an article in 1989. Whether they are doorway junkies, trendy weekend consumers, or once a month dabblers. Uh, A month later, they came out with another article saying that because the supply side of the drug crisis has failed miserably, let's get tough with drug users. Yeah, that's going to work. Um, 
some stats from this period. Um, in 1989, the percentage of American 16 to 35-year-old black men arrested was 35%. Good God. It's a purge, basically. Yeah. It's a purge of young black men. 35%. Jeez. Black men under the age of 35 were arrested in one year. I cannot imagine what it would be like to be targeted by the most powerful country on the planet. I have no conception of that. Percentage of black men who in 1980 said that they could earn more on the street doing something illegal than on a straight job, 44%. Hmm. The percentage who said the same thing in 1989, 66%. Good God. Federal funds paid to drug informants in 1987, $35 million. In 1989, $63 million. Could we have used that for a treatment? I wish they'd pay us some of that money. I'd inform on you being a bloody bubble boy. I wonder (laughs) if there's any money in that. Bubble boy informants. (laughs) Hey, well, we know. Yeah. We've done studies. We know crack babies turned out okay, but bubble babies... We need a study. Oh, fuck. Sit a Randall Day, masturbating, <laughs> making limoncello. That's my superpower. Pretending, that, pretending oh. that they accidentally deleted their notes. <laughs> I t- <laughs> Never mind. All right. Move along. This, Move along. The drug informant money, $63 million, sorry, in 1989. That was, I think... Uh, Half as much again as went to the Office of Management and Budget. Oh, my God. So huge budgets, just to put that in comparison. Um, way more money than the OMB is getting to work out how to run the country. Right. And a lot of this money went to small-time crooks. Some of it went to big-time crooks. There was a, there was a very famous case about a convuc- uh, convicted. Yeah, that's a word, Cameron. <laughs> Fucking idiot. A convicted <laughs> drug dealer... Right. who was released from prison in 1984, completely broke. By 1990, he was a multi-millionaire. Oh, shit. All because of government snitch payments. I'm in the wrong fucking job. That's incredible. Yeah, well, we, we all know that. <laughs> um, hey! The war on... The, this gets back to the qui bono stuff, right? The war on drugs made the criminal justice system one of the top growth industries in the 80s and 90s. Ah. Police jobs at all levels of government grew from grew by 36% and prison jobs by 86% during the years of the Reagan administration. Damn. Now meanwhile, overall government employment only rose by 16%. So, you know, Reagan's all about small government in theory. Right. Um, but prison jobs grew by 86% in eight years. <laughs> I wonder how many prisons were built during his eight years. Con- I don't know, but check this out. I posted this on Facebook the other day because it blew my mind when I read it. There were, in, in 1990, 1.1 million Americans were arrested. 264,000 of those, mm-hmm. over a quarter, were arrested for marijuana possession. Not selling, just having some. Possession. Right. And obviously, a drug that is now yeah. legal 
in many parts of the United States, right, a quarter of a million men were arrested. I'm assuming most were men. Some would have been women. A quarter of a million people were arrested, and a quarter of the people put in prison in that year were arrested for possession of it. That reminds me of something real quick. You mentioned, I think it was on the last show, where one state in this election, one state had approved recreational marijuana. Two other states had approved medicinal marijuana. There was actually a fourth state that put it on the ballot, but in the ballot it said, and I apologize, I can't remember the state, but it put on the ballot that not only would it now be legal, but they would expunge... I think that was the word they used, the the uh, the arrest of all those nonviolent people who were arrested for possession. And, they're, and it failed, and they're thinking that part of it is probably why it failed, because people are so conditioned that if you get arrested for drugs, you're bad or you're, 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 you deserve what you're getting. But they, but they think because of that clause, that's why the initiative failed. Mm. So it could have been four states, but it wasn't. Well, that's the show, I think, Ray. We'll get into yeah. the... We don't have time to get into the AIDS stuff. We'll get into the AIDS stuff next time. Okay. Because AIDS is an important role, and, and needles and, and the yeah. um, men of people that were catching AIDS from dirty needles in the 80s and the 90s is a big part of this story. So we want to tell that. Um, before we finish, um, I want to read out a list of our most re- recent subscribers. Yes, and please. thank them for supporting the show. Yeah. If you like me more than you like Cam, you should call yourself Bubbleheads. <laughs> Can we get a bubblehead of a bubblehead? I've got a bubblehead of myself I know, on I, my I've desk. I love that. You see that? I want to get a bubble head of you now. A bubble, a bubble, bubble head, bubble head. Uh, let me thank these people. Uh, Marcus Morotto, Andrew Hout, Sean Robbins, Dave Shaler, Clinton Riggs, and my mate Ian Kath. They're our most recent thank subscribers you. to the show. Uh, welcome on board, folks. Thanks very much for coming on board. Yeah. The show. The love boat. Um, and uh, we'll be back next week with uh, hopefully some of the last episodes on the War on Drugs series. Sacrificed everything.